Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Marianne Colvin as our guest, all the way from New Zealand. She has always had a fascination for all things that go bump in the night or haunt your dreams, for the unknown, the unexplained, and the paranormal. This started from a very young age when she had her first experience with UFOs, star people, and earth spirits that are ongoing to this day. Marianne is a spiritual sensitive and has had many experiences with the unseen realms here on this planet. She is not shy about speaking about her UFO and star people encounters. She also considers herself very fortunate to be able to combine her love of doing voice work with her experiences throughout her life in her podcast show, Walking Through the Shadowlands. So we definitely want my listeners to check out that podcast. I have listened to some of it, and it is fascinating. Oh, thank you. Can I just say it's actually Walking the Shadowlands. Oh, Walking the Shadowlands. Sorry about that. That's perfectly okay. So how are you today? Brilliant. It's early morning here in New Zealand, and it looks like it's going to be a wonderful day today. Yep, it's a rainy afternoon here in Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when did you first realize that you had psychic abilities? Well, I thought about this question, and actually, I've always known, but when you're little, you don't understand that other people can't see or hear or feel the things that you do. So you think it's just natural. You think that everybody can. Yeah. But actually, everybody can't. And it's not until you get older and more um, mature and gain more understanding of life that you realize that, well, gosh, not everybody can see what I can see. Not everybody has the same experiences. So probably probably I was around about six when I started realizing that I had to be careful what I said to people. So it was fairly young, really. That is young. I think I probably still had an imaginary friend at the age of six. (laughs) Uh, So what is it like for you? Do you see like like three-dimensional images or is it like an image on a screen? Like, how does it work for you? As far as Earth Spirit goes, well, there's a number of ways I see them. Everybody, of course, is different. But for me, um, there have been only a few times in my life when I've seen them solid, like I'm seeing you now. And I can give a couple of examples if you like. I'd love to. Okay, sure. The first one, I used to live in the States. Um, I was married to a chap. I lived in North Carolina for quite a few years. And uh, my sister-in-law, um, I, I met her mother a couple of times. Her mother lived in Florida. And so it was quite away from where we lived. And I was sitting in our sun porch one day. It hurt my back. And so I couldn't get up and move very quickly. So I was just sitting there resting. And all of a sudden, t- out of the corner of my eye on the left-hand side of me, I could see this blonde person waving at me over the balcony because we had a little porch there. And, and this person was head and shoulders above the, above the railing of the balcony. And 
and she was just waving and smiling at me. I didn't realize initially that whether it was male or female, I just saw this blonde person with hair and solid as, and I yelled out to my husband who was in the lounge next door. I said, Jay, can you go in and um, go outside? There's somebody wanting our attention. There's somebody on our property who's mm-hmm. obviously been trying to get our attention. And he said, sure, I'll go and have a look. So as he walked towards the door to answer the door, the phone rang. And he picked up the phone and he got a little bit pale and he turned to me and he said, oh, uh, Rhonda's mum's just been taken ill to the hospital. She's had a heart attack and we don't know how she's doing. And that was when I turned and looked again and I realised it was actually Rhonda's mum that I was seeing. Oh. I didn't I didn't initially recognise her because I'd only seen her a couple of times. And when I saw her, she was you know, I'm not as healthy and well-looking as she was when I saw her there. And she just smiled at me and waved and disappeared. And I said to him, oh, no, no, she's dead. She's just, that's who I just saw. That's Rhonda's mum. And he said, no, 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 she's she's just ill. And then the phone rang again because uh-huh. the message that we got first was from a family member passing it on. Um, the phone rang again, and then it was his brother saying that Rhonda's mum had just died um, oh. just before we got the first phone call. So that was the first time. Uh, that was that was probably one of the clearest ones I've ever seen. And I feel tend to feel like she came to me because she knew I was a medium uh-huh. and she knew that I would pass the message on to the family that she was okay. So that was that was the first time. Oh, well, that was one time. Another time that was actually quite funny was um, I have a paranormal investigation team here in New Zealand. Well, I do, but we don't do many investigations now because New Zealand's such a small place. It's not like the States, you know, where you have hundreds of places you could go to. New Zealand's very small. And (laughs) um, we we were in an investigation in a hotel, a very, very old hotel that had uh, quite a history. Um, of murders and it had been moved from its original site to uh, uh, the site where it currently stands which was the site of actual um, land war battles between New Zealand uh, between Europeans and the Maori um, in the early days of New Zealand so it was quite a it was like a perfect storm of there was so much uh, activity in that place it was the most active place I've ever investigated in all my years. Anyway, we were in the middle of this investigation and we were there were three of us, two two girls were in the room and I was standing in the doorway. The next thing I know, the spirit is solid as just appears to, to my left. <laughs> I don't know why they always do appeared to my left and and I got a fright because I actually wasn't expecting it. Um so um I just kind of jumped and gave a little squeal. Not that I was scared, it just startled me. And on our EVP recording we got from that, you can actually hear the spirit saying boo when I jump. <laughs> so there's somebody with a sense of humour. And then and then afterwards there was another EVP that says, Are you all right, girl? So, <laughs> you had a comedian spirit. Yeah, 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 it was a funny one. That's awesome. Um, was it scary when you first discovered you could communicate with beings from another plane? As a young child, 
I did have a lot of fears uh, because <clears throat> children have fears anyway and they're often scared of strangers and stuff like that. So when you see strange people in your home who wake you up in the middle of the night, it's pretty scary initially. But after a while, um, as you mature, you realise that it's actually only the living you have to worry about, not the dead. So you get over it fairly quickly. Some people, most people do, some people don't. Uh -huh. uh, and, and part of that is all the TV shows and the movies that are out, you know. Makes people scared of like poltergeist yeah. and yeah, exorcist yeah. and yeah, yeah, they paint quite an unrealistic picture, really. Interesting. Um, are all the spirits that you see are they of are they just of deceased people or in animals, or do you see other spirits as well? Um, you mean other interdimensional beings? Um, I see human spirit. Oh, I never actually answered your question, did, you, did I? Uh, um, sorry, can I go back to your first question? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So, so I see people like um, living solid beings on rare occasions. Mostly I see them in my mind's eye. I'll get a snapshot picture of what they look like. Uh, for example, I, I was with a lady one time and her husband had passed. And in my mind's eye, I saw this chap, short, squat, chubby chap and he had what we call a singlet on in New Zealand I think you call them wife beaters uh -huh. a wife beater top <laughs> and he had shorts on and his shorts were tied up with a piece of string um, and he had bare feet that was how I saw him and I so I described her perfectly and I only got the snapshot in my mind's eye for a, a nanosecond and I described him exactly as I saw him down to the string on his pants and she burst out crying she said how could you know that that's what my husband did? He always tied his pants up with string, and I used to growl him all the time for doing that. So that's another way of how I, how I see spirit. Another way is sometimes I will see, um, do you remember the old, I'm aging myself here, the old overhead projector screens that yes. they used to have? In, yes. They have the clear sheets of paper. Yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes I will see an outline of a spirit, like a clear overhead transparency sheet, but without color, just the sort of outline. So okay, those so, are the ways. So they're kind of like translucent a little bit. Yes. So, you, yes. so you've actually experienced all three. You see physical forms, you see translucent beings, and you can also see images in your mind. Great. Great. That's cool. Um, so how... Uh, are, are all the spirits that you see um, of earthly origins or some of, um, you know, things like fairies or gnomes or angels? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, okay, so I, I do see earth spirit. I see animals sometimes. Um, I, like I've had, I'm a cat person myself. I love cats. And I've had numerous cats over my years and, um, there are times when I've lost cats for whatever reason and I'll, I'll feel them jumping on my bed and walking on my bed not long after they've passed just to let me know that they're still around and sometimes I will see them and sometimes actually in that place that I told you about where the ghost um, said boo to me uh, we were doing our initial walkthrough with my team there were five of us in the room and we actually caught an EVP with a cat meowing 
it only came on one recorder and all five of us had handheld recorders going at the time, but it was only recorded on the one recorder. It was as clear as. So you can get animal EVPs as well. <laughs> oh, for those who don't know, EVP is electronic voice phenomena, and that is um, spirit voices that are caught on digital devices but are not audible to human ears. And... Um... How about um, like other types of beings, like Earth? Like we mentioned in your bio, you talk about Earth spirits. Um, what exactly is an Earth spirit? Earth spirit is well, let's say human, human you that's human? passed in the realm of spirit. But there are many dimensions attached to this planet, and so yes, sometimes um, I see fae or fairy folk. Uh, very, very rarely. I think maybe I've seen maybe one, um, not very often. Um, and there are other dimensional beings as well that go by different names, mm -hmm. um, depending on your religious belief, really. Yeah. So, you know, I actually kind of have a theory, like, about, like, fairy folk and stuff like that. And I think my, my theory is that they were here before human beings. And mm -hmm. now that humans are here, um, like their energy sort of is dissipating. So the, 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 maybe there's less of them now or they're not as strong as they were before. So the humans don't see them as much as they used to. And that's why, like when you look at the fairy tales from, you know, way back in the day, it was a common occurrence compared to the way it is now. Uh, in New Zealand, we call the fairy Patiparehe, um, which is the traditional Māori name for fairy folk. Now, the fairy folk have always been interdimensional beings. Earlier in humanity's progress, they would show themselves more to humans. They would interact more. But they soon learned that not all humans are very trustworthy. So they... Um, tend to be very selective about who they show themselves to these days. Not that the energies have dissipated, they haven't. They're just more cautious about who they show themselves to. Trust issues. Trust issues, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, angels and de demons, are they real? Do they exist? And what are they? I have a very, very different perspective on this. I don't come from a religious perspective or background at all. If you look at angels, what are angels but um, extraterrestrial beings that don't belong on this realm? So you could look at angels as being extraterrestrial or star people, if you like. Right. Um, you could look at them as being interdimensional beings. Humans are very quick to label what they don't understand. It, it makes it easier for us to, we like to box things. We like to be able to say, okay, you belong here and you belong there. Right. And so we put these labels on them. Um, angels, I tend to feel that angels are more, extraterrestrial in origin than religious uh -huh. because they don't belong on this world, on this dimension. 
Um, they're not from this world. Demons, I never never encountered one in my entire 64 years, 63 years. I'm aging myself. Um, I've never encountered one. Um, I've encountered, and I don't actually believe in the term demon. Demon comes from the word daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N, I think is how it's spelled. And that originally meant teacher. And it, over the years, got turned into this religious concept. Now, I mentioned before that there are other interdimensional beings and those that people might refer to as demons, if you are of a religious mindset, certainly would be these interdimensional beings. Um, And a lot of people fear them simply because the energies are so vastly different to ours. And so there's a, an immediate clash and it creates fear. Um, mostly what I've ever come across in all my years are very angry, very nasty, very human spirit who pretend to be things they're not because they like to create fear. Huh. It's kind of funny. After my uh, my father was sort of an angry guy, and uh, when he passed away, you know, I was emptying out his house, and he was a hoarder of junk. And when I emptied out the basement of all his junk, like the next day I went down there, and I had a pile of pictures sitting on our steps. They were thrown all over the place. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's just angry. How does, <laughs> I threw how all his garbage away. Right. Well, the thing is, spirit are only humans without physical bodies. And this body that we use, if you like to use the analogy of a glove or a car, we put it on or we use it for a specific period of time. And then when it's outdone, it's used, we take it off and move on. And, and so the character that you had when you moved over from, from the physical into the spiritual, you, you retain that same character. You don't suddenly become all wise and benevolent and loving if you were an absolute creep in life. That's good to know. That's actually, you motivation. the same characters. It's a motivation for people to keep changing and keep growing too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for those spirits who don't move over, who stay earthbound, then their personalities don't alter. But once you move over into the realm of spirit properly and don't stay around the earth planes, then you have a, a bit of an expanded view, but not a largely expanded view. Interesting. So I didn't write this question down, but it just sort of popped into my head. How about possession? Ah, possession. Yes, that can happen. Um, there's, there's, okay, and actually I'm, I'm doing an upcoming uh, episode on this, um, on Walkins and Walkins versus possession. Possession is when a spirit will take over control of the body of a person without their permission. That person is generally still in that body at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you've got two drivers controlling the car, so to speak. Um, whereas a walk-in has an agreement with the the person, the person who is currently inhabiting that body wants to leave for whatever reason, either life's too difficult for them or they just want out. So there's an agreement that is made 
that the souls will swap bodies. But that's done with permission, and the original inhabitant of the body will leave, and the new inhabitant will come in. Generally, that occurs during some really physically traumatic event, like an accident, or uh, mostly it's an accident, and the, the exchange of the souls will happen then. So often, so not all the time, but sometimes when people have had really major accidents, their family will say, this person is just not the same. They don't talk the same, they don't think about the same things, and that's likely because they've swapped souls. Uh, sometimes it can uh-huh. be, of course, because of a physical traumatic brain injury that can cause issues, but sometimes it's not. So it might not be like what we call PTSD. It could actually be another inhabitant. Correct. Correct. That's a good answer. I love that. Um. Cryptids, like Bigfoot, Yowie, um, Abominable Snowman. Um, you know, we people always say there's no body, no bones. Right, they do. Well, they what if they're coming in from another dimension? That's always been my supposition. Uh, I actually interviewed a chap in Australia. I've done a couple of episodes. I've done one on... Um, the Moiho Man, which is New Zealand's version of the Bigfoot. And I've done one on the Yawi, which is Australian's version of the Bigfoot. I actually interviewed a chap. And as we were talking, we both have uh, of the same opinion that these beings are actually interdimensional beings and they can come and go at will. Yes, so they sort of live maybe... Oh, just on the edge of our reality. Correct. That's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. And actually, that's why I call my podcast Walking the Shadowlands, because it's just that edge of reality. Maybe reality isn't as uh, solid as what we think it is. It absolutely is not. Um, UFOs. Uh, Are the aliens... Uh, from another planet, um, beings from other dimensions, or time travelers, or all three? Oh, good question. That's an excellent question. There are some who are interdimensional, some who are from other planets, other universes. Um, What was the third one? Time travelers. Time travelers. Like maybe we're visiting ourselves from the future. Yeah, I'm not sure that I believe in that one because there's no time outside of this reality. Time is a man-made construct. So the only time out of here is continuous. You know, there's no, there's no past, there's no future. There's, it's, not, it's not like humans see it as a linear sort of thing. Right. I think in my... I, I, have, I had an experience where about... A year ago, I had like an epileptic seizure and I was out for about 20 minutes. And, you know, I came through and I was okay. And about two weeks later, I got a book in the mail called um, Parallel Time Travel from Oxford University. And I never, I never ordered the book. 
And the receipt, I had received this book in March of 2019, but the receipt on it was dated December of 2019 from the future. So sometimes I wonder during that episode that I travel maybe into a future self and sent myself a book. Ah, now you, you're bringing us into the subject of um, this being a holographic universe and the holographic universe theory yes. stating that there are multiple parallel universes that continue alongside this, parallel timelines that continue alongside this one. And that's actually a subject that I absolutely love. And um, I did an episode on it called A Glitch in the Matrix, A Holographic Reality. And I did like over 30 hours research for that episode. It was in my first season. I'm currently uh, in a break between my fourth and fifth season at the moment. And it's been my number one most listened to episode. So it resonates with a lot of people. And in it, I talk about the holographic universe theory. And I, and I use that, the Matrix movie. And um, oh, what is that chap who says to me, oh, what is reality? If reality is, uh, if you're talking about what you can, paraphrase, and I can't remember the exact words, if reality is what you can smell, think, feel, touch, these are just electrical um, electrical neurons firing in your brain. They're not real. What is reality? So that brings up a whole pile of questions. And then there's been a whole pile of research done by um, uh quantum physicists who a whole pile of them and I've got a list of them on my on my website on the the glitch in the matrix episode page my website is um www.walkingtheshadowlands.com so people can go on there and have a look and and I've got links to all these physicists and their views on this being a holographic reality video talks from them Mm -hmm. absolutely Fascinating subject, absolutely fascinating. So is there, are there parallel timelines? Is this a glitch in the matrix? Is this world that we live in actually a holographic reality? What is reality? And it brings us into a whole pile of questions. What is reality? We have a general consensus on what we see as being real, like we all agree an orange is an orange, because we all agree that that's how it is. Yes. But maybe the only reason the orange actually exists is because we all agree on it. Yeah. But if we exactly. all stopped agreeing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, would the orange it dissolve? It brings up so many questions. It's like that question: If a tree falls in the forest, does anybody doesn't make a sound because there's who's here to hear it? You know? Right. Very, very interesting subject. It goes very deep down the rabbit hole. Very deep. Let's see where that is. So um, I'm going to go back um, about to your uh, communications with the star spirits. Right. Um, what is that like for you? Um, I've, had, I've had ongoing encounters with star people my entire life, starting from my first conscious recollections when I was a toddler. Um, I have seen beings face-to-face. I've had them in my room. I've been on ships. And so I have had this experience my entire life, and I've always talked out about it. Uh, 
often to my detriment as a kid because, you know, it was just my day-to-day reality. And as kids, you talk about what's real to you. Right. And you talk about fantasies, of course, but this was my reality and this was what I was experiencing. But not only that, my family had experiences as well, although they didn't have the same sort of experiences I did. They just recall seeing ships and stuff like that. And how did they appear to you? Like, the, or did they look like gray aliens or did they look like waves of light? Oh, there's so many different species. Um, I've had encounters with, oh gosh, I don't know how many different species in my lifetime. Um, I've seen beings that have blue colored skin. I've seen these just beautiful beings whose skin is so blue, it's black, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's that blue, black, absolutely stunning, beautiful beings. Um, I've seen beings that um, have the, a feline appearance. But actually, one of my favorite, I really love them. I guess that's why I'm such a cat person here. <laughs> um, I have seen the typical grey. Uh, but you've got to understand that there are many different uh, with species in amongst labelled greys. So mm-hmm. they're not only the greys that you see plastered all over the movies and stuff. There's different varieties and under the grey umbrella and not all are malevolent to humans. I've never been taken against my will. I've never had experimentation done on me. If I've ever had a medical procedure, it's because I've needed it and they've always told me exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. So it's always been given with consent. But are are all of them have good intentions or are there also beings with harmful intentions to humans? Not at all. Like, like with humans. There, there are, I put them in three groups, okay? There are the group who are benevolent towards humans, who want to see humanity evolve and become part of the greater intergalactic community. However, these beings, and these are the ones that I work with, have, uh, there is a universal law that they abide by, and that is that you cannot interfere with developing species from the outside. But if kind of like have... in Star Trek. Exactly. Well, where do you think Star Trek? I asked them about Star Trek one day. I asked one of my one of my uh, star people about Star Trek one day, and I said, "Look, how much truth is in this? There seems to be a lot of truth." And he said, "Well, information was given. Those are his exact words. Information was given. So somebody was given, you know, little bits of information, and they they wound it into the." The, the series but yes absolutely you cannot interfere with a developing species from the outside but if you have people on the ground people who are born into that species then you can affect change from the inside Do I um, your when, when they communicate with you do they communicate all in english or do they speak telepathy it's telepathy uh universal communication is telepathic um, some some do use tones. Tones are very important, but the general communication is telepathic. And um, have you ever been given an important message that should be relayed to the world from them? No, 
not real well not really not like you need to go and do this or you need to go and do that no 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 they have taught me over my lifetime I've seen myself in classroom situations um, in learning environments where they've taught me things that are important like the use of tone how tone is important um, um, they've taught me <clears throat> about the importance of of working to look after the planet, stuff like that, things that are important to us here and now. Uh, but no, they've never given me anything, uh, anything that I would say, you know, they've taught me, they've given me a lot of information that I've passed on to people over my years about mm -hmm. being kind. The biggest thing, oh, okay, sorry, I'm just being corrected. The biggest thing that, the biggest message that they have ever given me and my favorite star person gave this to me and he said to me Marianne when you do anything when you think you must think from your heart when you talk you must talk from your heart when you act you must act from your heart so you must always come from this love space this this heart space not your head space because here in this reality we're taught all to come from our head to ignore our heart our head's what's important but your soul knows your soul knows what's right and if you always come from your heart space then you are more aware of other people and other people's needs and it's not to say that your needs aren't important, but but you're more aware of how your actions, how your the way you speak affects other people and makes them feel. So, compassion. Compassion, yeah, empathy, understanding. Um, can other people communicate with these beings? If so, how? Um. There are, uh, there are some people that have put out these protocols for communicating with star people. Uh, one's quite a famous chap. And, you know, not all beings out there, oh, that's what we got sidetracked from, didn't we? Not all beings out there have humanity's best interests at heart. And so saying to people, oh, you need to go out and do this meditation and call them into you be careful what you're calling because some beings like the ones I work with want the best for humanity. They want us to grow and develop and become part of the greater intergalactic community. There's a group of beings, those who currently control this reality that we live in, who mm -hmm. made agreements with your government. They really don't care for humanity. They want to keep humanity as they are uh, humanity was originally created as a slave race. That was going to be one of my questions too. It yeah. sort of goes yeah. along but, with, I think, um, who wrote that book? I think it was Eric von Donneken. Stitchin. Stitchin, yeah, Zachariah Stitchin. Zachariah Stitchin, right. yeah, yeah. He was actually on the right track. Humanity was created as a safe species um, for the group of beings that currently control this reality. And um, they don't have humanity's best interest at heart. They don't want humans to develop spiritually as a species. They want to keep humanity living in this current state that we are in now. Uh, in fact, I put out a, a short podcast just a, 
a few days ago about this current world situation that we find ourselves in and telling people don't give in to the fear, don't look at the greater picture because what's happening now is is they are trying very hard to control humanity through fear. Fear is the easiest way to control people because if you're if you're scared, if you're in a fear state, you look to others to tell you what to do. You look to others to do your thinking for you. You look to others to 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 make you feel safe. Um, is it Benjamin Franklin? I can't remember. He said, um, those who give up um, liberty um, for security, I can't remember his exact words, those who give up liberty for security deserve neither liberty nor security. So what he's saying is that liberty is the most important thing. Freedom, to be free to make choices, to be free to be able to think for yourself and not be manipulated. Um, and that's what's happening at the moment. The current situations are, in my opinion, being deliberately engineered to create this fear. Mm. You think um, we'll ever be free of these beings? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the team that I'm working with have been working for quite a long time to remove them from where, from the control that they currently have on us. Yes, absolutely. It's going to happen. And what we're seeing played out now is the end game. They, they know that they're losing control, so they are deliberately ramping up the fear factor. So first we have this world virus. And, and don't get me wrong, it was a virus that was released. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt the virus is there. But when that wasn't working as well as they thought it is, they bring in these other things to, to keep people in this fear state. But you see people standing up and protesting and there are enough people who are spiritually aware now to question the system, wake enough to question the system, to question the, the draconian measures that are introduced. Like here in New Zealand, for example, under the guise of this virus, we had a four-week lockdown. Uh, I think we had one case in New Zealand and the government went into lockdown. They shut us down for four whole weeks. They introduced laws that didn't even go through public scrutiny, like police can now enter homes in New Zealand without a warrant. Without a warrant. Wow. And they did this under the guise of protecting the people. And they're manipulating the government, those who control this reality of this planet have people on this planet throughout all areas of government and they um, they do a lot of social engineering on us if you've noticed if you've been watching the news you'll notice certain phrases that keep being used the yes. new reality the new norm unprecedented times and they use them over and over and over and over again. I find the new normal or the new norm particularly insidious because what it does is it's setting in people's mind that this is the way it's going to be from here on out. Get used to it, pretty much. And and um, unprecedented times is the, is the one that they've used so that they can bring in draconian laws and measures that take away people's freedoms and abilities 
to, you know, like the police entering homes. Never in New Zealand's history has that ever, ever been allowed before without warrants. As like here in the United States, they authorized the use of military on civilians, which was... I know. So basically, you guys are under martial law at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, even... Like, and I lived in New Jersey during, like, 9-11. And even there, during 9-11, that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty, uh, I feel. <clears throat> so what I say to people is, is get the, the end result of all of this is to create fear or anxiety in people. So I say to you all, look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that these beings who currently control this reality are trying to hold on to power. And the best way that they can do it is make people fear. So don't give in to that fear. If you start to feel scared, if you start to feel anxious, turn off your TV, get off social media, go for a walk, do something physical, do some gardening, do something for somebody else, help somebody else. And that will take you out of that fear state. And then you can see things more clearly. You can step back and you can say, okay, why is this happening? Why are they doing this? And that will help you a little bit. I didn't write this question down, but it just made me think, are these beings what we call the Illuminati? Is the all-seeing eye their symbol? Yes. Well, the Illuminati is just, that's just the minions, some of the, some of the minions they have here on this planet. Yeah. So it all started in, I think the story behind Illuminati started in Bavaria, correct? Correct. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, but they're just they're just a, a a more visible, a more visible part of the greater behind the scenes control. That's all. Um, so I know that you you like to do art and all types of other things. Um, do you find that your art is created um, directly connected to your spiritual? Some is. Summers, I did, uh, uh, years ago, decades ago, I did a series of drawings of my star people. Um, but I couldn't put their eyes in because at that stage, uh, for some reason, I wasn't able to draw their eyes. But I did a whole pile of art. Yes, yes it does influence me. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. So I had question here is reality real but we already kind of talked about that one about the matrix reality yeah yeah is reality um, real but but one of the questions i do have and this one there's a quantum physics question and the reason i i like it is um you know it's it's been proven and like like i've seen like videos where um meditating monks are able to change the molecular structure of certain things Mm-hmm. just with their minds mm-hmm. um and, and it's because those objects are not actually solid they're actually um like a materialized consciousness rather than an actual object right you know because like you know nothing is solid there's radio mm-hmm. waves all kinds of stuff passing through what we think is a solid object great um you know, so that brings me to the question, like, do you think that quantum physics will eventually 
prove a lot of these things that right now are sort of theory and some of the things that in the past were considered magic, but mm -hmm. they're actually now we're realizing there's actual science. Yes. Well, quantum physics actually answers a lot of questions that real physics can't answer. It, it, it explains a lot of things that scientists aren't able to explain otherwise. Um, like, for example, there's the double slit experiment. Have you heard of that? Yes. Yes. I love that and, one. Yeah, it's great. So the, for the listeners, the double slit experiment is when uh, is it beams of light are shone through two, two slits onto a wall behind it. And <clears throat> the experiment has discovered that People, if people are observing the um, experiment, it alters the outcome of it, basically. Fascinating stuff. Absolutely it is. fascinating. Like, I wonder if one day we'll be able to materialize the object simply with our minds, our <clears throat> consciousness. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've already got people in this planet who can affect things with their mind, with telekinesis it's called. Mm -hmm. There's an actually, there's an experiment that your listeners can do. If you get a cork or a, a pin with a sharp end up, so you have to find some way of standing that pin so it's, you know, the point up. Mm -hmm. If you get some, I don't know, cigarette paper or very, very light tissue paper and fold it over, so it sits on top of the of the sharp pin, you know what I'm saying? Like right. that. And put that under a glass. And then with try with your mind's eye to get that paper to move. And you will be surprised at what you can do. I'm gonna have to try it. Yeah, yeah. I usually um, get people in New Zealand, we have, you know, like cigarette papers for roll your own cigarettes because uh -huh. they're very, very light tissue. But you can use anything. But I suggest you mark one of the corners of it and then fold it over like folded in four and then put the very center on the tip of the pin so it can rotate freely. I'm definitely going to give that a try. Give it a try. And just focus um, focus on, on getting it to move. So uh, on your podcast, I saw that you were familiar with the Nimitz UFO encounter. Yes. Uh, what do you think it is, and why do you think the U.S. government is finally saying, yes, this is real? Uh, yes. Um, well, I interviewed two of the chaps off the Nimitz, the really lovely chaps to talk to, and I really enjoyed speaking to them. And I was very interested that both of them were of the opinion that this this vessel that they saw was actually government, that it was a, a black ops by the government, that it was um, uh, a ship that they controlled, that it wasn't extraterrestrial. That mm -hmm. was what they believed. Whether it was extraterrestrial or not, they had to get that knowledge from somewhere, didn't they? Yes. So again, it's look behind the curtain. Hmm. I actually worked at uh, Bell Labs a long time ago, I think wow. around 90, 1999. And the guy that worked there was the guy who developed um, fiber optic 
And oh, wow. he told me, I, was, I used to smoke back then, and I was outside smoking a cigarette. And he goes, yeah, I worked for NASA, and it came from a, a spacecraft that we recovered. Great. And, and I thought he was crazy and out of his mind. And I'll say like six months later, the Bob Lazar story broke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe the guy was telling me the truth. Mm. I feel, you know, I really feel for Bob Lazar. I think he was crucified and um, he was telling the truth, in my opinion. I, I do too. Have you seen the um, that new documentary by Jeremy Corbell with him? No. It is excellent. And it actually really Bob, redeems a lot of bizarre, Bob Lazar's story, you know. Mm-hmm. One is the proof that the element 115 exists now. Some of the things that he described in his original interviews have now been proven to be real. Wow. Um, it's really, really, really good. Oh, I'll have to look that up and have a watch for it. I don't tend to... Um, I tend to keep my knowing very clean, for want of a better word, uh, a bit of terminology. Um, I deliberately kept myself away from uh, external factors that could influence my knowing as I was growing up Um, because I didn't want my knowing of what the star people had taught me to be tainted by others' opinions who hadn't experienced it. Um, so I, these days uh, I'm still quite cautious about I watch what I watch because there's actually a lot of disinformation out there and sifting through it is sometimes hard for people who who um, who are just searching that it, you know it's very easy for them to to believe that the disinformation that's been put out by the current powers to sidetrack people from knowing the truth um it's very hard for them to distinguish but i've gone i'll go absolutely go and look that up having said that um your question about the government's releasing um the truth that's because they were told they had to they have no option they were told i was told back in the 80s so many decades ago i was told back in the 80s my star people told me that the governments had been told that they had to release this knowledge to the people. And if they didn't, it would be taken out of their hands. Really? Mm -hmm. So it must be important. It is important because... Maybe it's part of the end game that's actually happening. It is part of the end game that's happening. You see, with people, with all this knowledge of... of, um, being withheld by from people, it stops them from making conscious decisions because they don't have the full picture. If if people, the governments always use the excuse, oh, it'll cause anarchy, or oh, you know, it'll cause religions religions to crumble, and actually, it probably will, and that's not a bad thing, because. It, I'm speaking for myself here, and I apologise to anybody who is religious, who who is a Christian or other religious beliefs. Um, you know, everybody's fully entitled to believe what they want, but this is my knowing, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, my knowing is that religions were deliberately created as a means of controlling people because most religions, and, and I'm talking even New Age spirituality here, you have to believe a certain way. 
you have to believe certain tenets. If you don't follow this way of thinking, you'll go to hell or you're unenlightened. You know, it's it's all a control. It, what it does is people don't question. They don't question. They just follow what they believe. They don't question it because they've been taught not to question it. And the thing is, people need to question. They need to question everything. Question what I'm saying. You don't have to believe the thing that I'm saying. I'm just sharing my knowing, you know? Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. I hope you don't mind. It's not on here. And it's not a topic that I normally ever talk about. Sure. Um, this whole thing with Donald Trump. And he always claims that he wanted to get elected to break up the cabal that's in charge. But to me, it looks like, if anything, he's reinforcing their agenda. Do you have an opinion on that? I really stay out of politics. Um, Smart. <laughs> because politics, are a, they're a smokescreen. One side is much the same as the other side. They're all controlled by the same beings, ultimately. And it's just window dressing to give people the idea that they have freedom of choice, where actually we don't. I agree with you 100%. I've always said that, you know, it's just people, the best slaves are the ones that think they are free. Correct. Absolutely correct. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Harriet Tubman. Speaking of slaves, Harriet Tubman, I think it was Harriet Tubman here, said um, when talking about, about freeing people from slavery, she said, I could have freed so many more had they realized they were slaves. Yes. Yeah, people don't realize it. Yeah. Um, is it possible that Jesus was an alien. Okay, there, throughout history, throughout humankind's history, there have always been people who, remember when I talked earlier about how we cannot affect change from the outside, but if you have people working on the inside as humans, living as humans, then you can affect change from the inside. Now, over the centuries, each year, my uh, the beings that I work with have sent people to live here as human to raise the consciousness of humanity. This has not been a this lifetime thing. This has been something that has been happening for centuries. So um, figures like Jesus, Buddha, uh, Muhammad, you know, all these figures that were originally came in to help raise the consciousness of humanity um, were, I believe, placed deliberately, but the messages over the years have become distorted and twisted and used by those who control. Right, so they, they took that message and tried to use it for their own purpose. Absolutely, yeah. To, to work against. Yeah. Yeah. Freeing people. Like a, a, an example is, I, um, you are the sheep, and I'm the shepherd. Yeah. 
sheep don't think for themselves. They just follow. They do. insidious that is. Um, so the next question, and I can't pronounce it. Um, Oma Moma, the oh right, uh, I'm not, I'm shaped, yeah. object that 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 came from a, another galaxy and came through. Yeah, um, a lot of people think it may have been some type of spacecraft. Yeah, I saw that, and actually, when I first heard about it, it I did get this little tinge of excitement, and. Um, it's quite possible that it was a craft because it because it had a definite shape and it behaved differently from any um, any meteor that just flies through. Yeah. So yes, there's a good possibility that it was. But actually, there's many many craft that are out there in our skies at this point in time. Uh, mostly we can't see them because they're hidden. They're cloaked. Hmm. I'm going to ask you another one since I'm on that topic. That <laughs> just popped sure. into my head. Do you think the moon could actually be a hollow spacecraft? Uh, now, I've heard that before. I, and, yeah, I heard that. Um, I do remember reading somewhere about the astronauts doing something and, and uh, the moon rang like a hollow bell. Yeah, they crashed your satellite into it. That's it, that's it. And it rang like a hollow bell. Now, a solid planet wouldn't do that. No. So, yeah, there, there is the possibility. Absolutely. I believe one of the first people I heard that theory um, was from a guy named John Lear. Have you ever heard of John Lear? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether to believe his stuff or not, actually. Well, you know what? What I always say to people is that you must always question what information you read, what information you see, what information you hear. You question it, question it, question it, and see how it sits in your heart, how it resonates for you. How does this, how does this information make you feel? Does it make you feel comfortable? Um, does it raise more questions than it answers? Does it make you feel uncomfortable, uneasy? You know, you listen to what what your body is, what your heart's telling you. If if you hear something, and and um, it raises more questions than it answers, then you know, you ask yourself, well, is this actually real? If it raises all these questions but it doesn't answer them. Yes, and I think also sometimes the mixing of what's true and what's not true when he put them together, and it makes it very, very difficult for us anyway correct, to, correct. to distill the truth from that information. And you know what? That's one of their biggest tools. That's one of the, the controller's biggest tools. What they'll do is they'll put one truth, one truth in with 9,900 lies and people, their soul resonates with that truth. So they overlook the rest because of that one grain of truth. So that's why you need to question. You should always question. Um, Who do you think are the men in black? Are they guys that are spouting this disinformation? Oh, no, that's, you know, I had a men in black experience when I was a kid. Really? 
Yeah, I did. And I talk about it in my Men in Black episode on my podcast. Um, we had uh, a UFO experience. I'll, I'll give you a brief because it's quite a long story. I'll so take your time. Story, are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm positive. This done. is great. Okay. Okay. So what happened was, I don't know how old I was. I was young. Um, between four and six or something like that. And I used to live in a small town called Palmston North in the North Island, Lower North Island. And there was an ice cream factory. I lived in an industrial year. Of course, this is back in the early 60s. Not like it is these days. Um, we lived in a, a semi-industrial area. And across the road was an ice cream factory called the Frosty Jack Ice Cream Factory where they used to make ice blocks and ice cream. And once a week, they would defrost the freezers and put all the ice out on the street to melt. Big chunks of ice. Uh-huh. And I used to, whenever I was home and I could see it, I would I would watch, because I used to like watching the ice melt. It, was, it fascinated me as a kid. Anyway, I was outside playing in the front yard. Um, I had some toys in a box on the ground. And all of a sudden, and, and it must have been morning tea time, which in New Zealand is about 10 a.m. Everybody has a smoker, what we call a smoker break. And the ice was already out on the street. It was a cold morning, so it was early winter. So it was, it was still quite chilly on the ground. And smokers, were um, the, they were out having um, morning tea on the street. Some were leaning against the ice, just having their cup of tea or whatever. And... I became aware of this high-pitched whistling. It was so high-pitched, it really hurt my ears. And um, and it was got louder and louder and louder. And I, I didn't understand where it was coming from. I was looking around, and I, and I looked over at, at the men over by the ice. And they were all looking up at the sky, going like this. And I looked up, and above, uh, literally above my house, was this classic saucer-shaped UFO slowly descending. Wow. Slowly descending. I, I can't say how high it was above the house because I haven't, you know, as a kid, I have no way of knowing. But it was low enough for us to see the lights rotating around it, to hear the noise it was making. It was so loud that my mum came out of the house to see what the noise was. And she turned and looked up and saw it as well. And um, I didn't remember until a number of years later that out of this um, out of this saucer came this blue light that surrounded me and took me up and I had an experience with the star people but I didn't remember that till later and that they told me at the time that I wouldn't remember it till later until I needed it uh-huh. and I didn't anyway um, so so um, we we're all staring watching this saucer for God knows how long then all of a sudden it was gone just like that just straight up gone within seconds and everybody stood there talking about it for a while and and then they all went inside and went on with their work and mum went inside and went back to the housework and I went back to playing or whatever I was doing the next the very next morning really early in the morning we lived in a house with a long corridor down to the front door and you know when you're kids you rush to open the door because you want to see who's there it's all very Mm -hmm. exciting and I had a couple of um, younger, I had a younger sister and an older sister at that time. And somebody knocked at the door. So I ran to open it. I, I rushed to beat all the kids to open it. But uh, my mum got there and opened it. And standing on the doorstep 
one on the doorstep and one on the on the, the footpath below this doorstep were two men. One facing us and the other side on. And at the gate, which was only a matter of yards from the front door, was a, a, a sedan, a really old, old fancy type car with a running board and another chap standing by the car. So there were three of them. They all had black suits on, they had sunglasses on, and they had fedora hats. Classic men in black. Um, and and that, But they exuded this energy that was really, really unpleasant. And in fact, it scared mum so much that she pulled me behind her and I could feel her shaking as she held me. And um, these men kept saying to mum, you're not going to talk about what happened yesterday. You're not going to speak to anybody. If you do, bad things will happen. Um, You won't remember this, blah, blah. And they just went on like, I can't remember, but I remember them saying, you won't remember this. You won't Uh talk about this. It was like they repeated it a number of times to mum. And she was she was, of course, she was only in her 20s, so she was, you know, intimidated initially. Anyway, <clears throat> and she had us to, to be concerned. She was shaking. I, I remember her sitting there shaking with her hand on me, holding me behind her. And anyway, then the guy at the back of the guy on the doorstep said, what about the kid? And, and the guy looked at me and said, nah, she's too young. She won't remember. Well, nobody told me what I can and cannot remember. Nobody. So since that day, I've I've never forgotten. Remembered it clearly, and I've spoken out about it whenever I've got the opportunity, because they said not to. So I did exactly the opposite, and that was my Men in Black episode. Mum didn't remember until I visited her when I went to live in the States with my husband, then husband, and I, we were talking about our family UFO experiences. And I said, Mum, do you remember the Men in Black? And she said, What are you talking about? And I, and I told her, um, you know, what had happened. She said, oh, my God, I completely forgot about that. How could I have forgotten about that? And then she, um, then she said what she remembered of the incident. I think they used some type of mind control? It was intimidation and coercion, you know. You won't talk about this. You'll keep quiet. That's deliberately what it was, yeah. Are they humans or? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, Are they humans or are they some form of robotic being? Because they all seem to have this pasty, pasty white skin. Um, They, in fact, there's one that happened really fairly recently that was caught on video. Well, when I say fairly recently, is some years ago now. Um, A guy in Canada had a UFO sighting, and he was a manager of a hotel. Um, near Niagara Falls or something like that and him and the workers saw these UFOs that were out having a smoker's break and he was off work for a day, a couple of days and these men in black came into the hotel and they were caught on the security video coming into the hotel and they intimidated his staff asking about him if he was there. You can Google it uh, it's still on the internet Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out after we're done with this interview yeah, yeah. If you go onto my website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, on the Men in Black page, there's a link to the video. Okay. Um, so here's the last, well, second to the last question. Um, 
Is there hope for the human race? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely there's hope for the human race. There are sufficient people who are questioning the status quo, who are aware that the way things are in this planet at this point in time is not sustainable, is not right. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a bit of a rocky road for a while because the controllers are going to fight until they can't fight anymore. That's their nature. But they will be removed and humanity will be left to... What will happen is once these controllers are removed uh, from the current situation, then for people listening i don't want you to fear that the beings that i work with are going to come in and take over that's no 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 that's not going to happen what they will do is they will leave humanity to develop on their own without outside interference as it should have been from the beginning so um so yes there are good things coming we just have to get over this little rough bit and it'll be all right in the end to use that phrase. So they're losing. They're absolutely losing, yeah. They're running scared. That's a relief. Yeah, they're running scared. You can you can actually see in the way, and, and along with that, uh, there's a number of things happening, actually. Along with that, our, our planet that we live on is a living entity. She's a living being. And she's young, and she's growing. She's going through her own growth and development, as we all do. And so there's a lot of earth changes that are currently happening as well. So at this point in time, so it's kind of like a perfect storm at the moment. It's a really big deal what's happening here on this planet. It's a really yeah, big deal. Definitely. Um, well, thank you for being on my show. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to promote? Like where can my listeners find you? Of uh, your website, your podcast. Um. Oh, thank you. I, I've really, thank you for letting me talk. I, I've really enjoyed talking about these subjects, which actually uh, I'm passionate about, as you can probably tell. Um, I have my, my webs, my podcast website is called Walking the Shadowlands, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. My podcast is the same name, Walking the Shadowlands, and it's found on all free podcasting sites, including iHeartRadio. If you have um, Alexa in your home, if you say, Alexa, open Walking the Shadowlands, it will play my latest episode. Um, I'm also on social media. I have a Facebook page by the same name, Walking the Shadowlands, and a Facebook group called Walking the Shadowlands. And it was actually because of the group that the podcast was started, the members um, asked me if I would start a podcast. Um, yeah, and uh, on social media, on Instagram, I'm Walking the Shadowlands. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I can't remember my Twitter feed offhand. Uh, but yes, that's where you can find me. <laughs> I have to write all that stuff down for my own podcast too. I can't remember it all. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I'm really not so much of a social media person. I, I'm more of an action person. Do <laughs> um, you have anything upcoming that you'd like to promote? Um, I'm just currently in a break between seasons. I'm having a four-week break. I only put the episodes out every two weeks. 
because I do so much research into them. I do like between 10 and 30 hours research for each episode, particularly if there are subjects that I don't know a lot about. I treat them like a mini thesis, really. <laughs> um, and so I'm on a four-week break. But in the, during this period, I'm playing my top three most listened to episodes um, starting tomorrow, actually. And uh-huh. then in, in the fourth week, I'm playing a kind of promo of what's coming up in the second season. So for those of you, for my first episode, I will give you a clue about my first episode in the next season. I had an interview with a wonderful gentleman from the States who is a Civil War reenactor and um, a well-known author. And um, he uh, had an experience in Gettysburg. And he wrote a book called I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg. And so he... He's my guest for my first episode back. Very fascinating man. Was an utter skeptic. Journalist for 40 years. Um, has a well-known um, column that was so popular that he's written a couple of books about it. You know, a couple of books of his column have been put out. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's the title of that episode will be I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg. And he's really, really interesting to listen to. Actually, one of the um, paranormal investigators that I had on my show, and I used to investigate with her, some of her best investigations were at Gettysburg. Oh, really? Yes, yes. And one of the people that one time he was there, he was investigating with her, and um, something drew him to his tree, and he reaped inside like this hole in a tree, and he found a bayonet. Wow. Wow. I know I had a personal experience when I lived in the States and my husband and his twin brother took me to uh, a battleground site and, you know, it was just, we were just walking along and all of a sudden I just got this pain in my back. I felt like I'd been stabbed with a bayonet or shot in my back and it just, it stopped me and I was in so much pain for a couple of seconds and then in my mind's eye I saw this tall, slender chap in uniform and I realized I was feeling how he passed. Battlegrounds definitely carry a lot of energy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on my show. This was an excellent interview. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me, Gary. And, um, I really appreciate that. And you come back anytime. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Um, So I have some upcoming guests after this podcast. I don't know who they are. (laughs) Um, Please like and review my podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, co-workers, and even the weird uncle. If you want to be a guest, email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter at Everything Imaginable 2020. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. I also have a Patreon page. It's uh, patreon.com, Everything Imaginable. Uh, you can make a donation there to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. See you next week. And thank you for listening. And oh, yeah, I almost forget. I always forget. You can also buy my book on Amazon.com. 
It's called Enlightenment Guaranteed, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. Thank you for listening and have a great week.